The Anarchist's Workbench by Christopher Schwarz Published by Lost Art Press This recording is by Ray Defterius and is not affiliated or endorsed by Lost Art Press in any manner. Any errors or omissions are purely the fault of the narrator, as is any general bungling of pronunciation of names. Chapter 9 Workholding Faces of Boards When it comes to working on the faces of boards placed on a bench top, the arguments about the workholding sound a lot like my wife and I jousting about car transmissions. Which should we buy? Automatic or stick shift? In the world of workbenches, the automatic transmission is a tail vice or wagon vice that's coupled with a system of dogs. With the twist of a screw, you can pinch the work between dogs to hold it for planing, chopping, carving or sanding. The stick shift of work holding is a lone planing stop, basically a stick in a hole with some nails sticking out in its most primitive iteration. It's simple as heck and it takes some skill to use. Your first attempts will feel awkward, you might even fail, but once you master it, you won't require a tail vice. There is no single correct approach. In fact, our workshop, which sometimes feels like a workbench laboratory, reflects the complex world of vices out there. We have nine different workbenches in the front room of our shop, plus a shave horse and a portable workbench. Seven of the benches have a vice at one end that allows the user to pinch the work between dogs. Though we have a lot of end vices in the shop, I almost never use them in my work. Why not? To be honest, they slow me down. Once I got the hang of working with the planing stop and a couple of holdfasts, I never felt the urge to crank open a tail vice. That is the honest truth. And I'm not a historical reenactor or someone who can afford to waste time at the bench. My income comes from making furniture and writing about it. I work at my bench or someone else's bench when I teach every day. But I don't simply dismiss all end vices. Some people adore them and wouldn't trade them for anything and they have their advantages when gripping pieces that don't sit flat on the bench or need to be worked at odd angles. Instead, my point is that I don't want you to think that every workbench has to have an end vice as standard equipment. It doesn't. The first known end vice shows up in the written record in 1505. It is a wagon vice drawn in a Germanic codex, and people were working with just fine for many centuries before that. So let's get into some nitty-gritty detail about the different kinds of end vices, both the pros and cons. European tail vice, the moving box. This is the classic and most common style of tail vice. It's a dovetailed box that slides left and right on a screw. The box is pierced with dog holes and the end of the box is a clamping surface. You can pinch work between the box and the bench top. It has some real advantages. The clamping area between the box and the bench top allows you to add other vices, such as a netto, and it is an ideal place to hold rails for cutting tenons and for dovetailing small components. It actually functions as a pretty fair face vice. The vice allows you to disassemble frames and boxes by putting the bench's dogs inside a door assembly, for example, and opening the vice drawer to pull the parts apart. When it comes to clamping boards flat on the bench top, it works fine, when the vice is well maintained. Note that the only vice that doesn't require maintenance is one that's still in the box. Many of the tail vices I have used through the years have been abused or neglected. The abuse? 
The movable box is a no mallet zone. Striking work that is on top of the box will encourage it to sag. The neglect. The vise was either hastily installed or its mounting screws have come loose, allowing the box to sag. The sagging box is annoying. When you clamp a board between dogs with a sagging box, the dog in the box will tend to lift your work off the bench. Then you have to knock the dog or the work down to get it flat on the bench. But wait, the area is supposed to be a no mallet zone, so hitting things there tends to make the problem worse. To be fair, there are tail vices that have been installed well and are made to avoid sagging. If you want to go with this form of vice, check out plans that have the hardware secured in a wooden groove on both components. Just screwing the hardware to a flat surface isn't good enough, in my experience. Aside from the maintenance, I'm also not generally a fan of clamping between dogs. It's slower. If you have pieces of wood that are all different lengths, then you have to move the dogs and screws to accommodate the different lengths. That's not a problem when using a planing stop. Another caution about tail vices, if you clamp a board with a tad too much pressure, it will bow up in its centre. You can't plane that board flat. So you have to be a little sensitive. This is not a big deal once you know how little pressure is needed. Other differences. Some people like to plane up mouldings with the work pinch between dogs. I prefer a sticking board, a bench appliance dedicated to mouldings that also provides sideways support that you don't get with a tail vise. Other people like to traverse boards gripped with the tail vise. If you have metal dogs with serrated teeth, it can hold work like the devil. I prefer to use a holdfast and a dove's foot, a stick of wood with a notch in it, or some other method. And on and on the debate goes. So honestly, no one is going to win this argument. If you want a tail vise, buy the best and install it so it cannot sag. Then name the thing Chrissy after me and laugh every time you use it. That's cool by me. The wagon vise. A wagon vise is basically a tail vise that doesn't sag. Its downside is it doesn't have the same ability to clamp objects between the box and the bench top, like the European tail vise above. There are several manufacturers that make wagon vices, and I like them all. I've installed a lot of them, and the installation is the only thing I'm not wild about. You have to cut a sometimes complex shaped cavity into the bench top. Or create one as you laminate the boards together for the bench top. You usually have to add an end cap to the bench top to hold the vice hardware, so there's some upfront head scratching and fiddling. But once the thing is installed, it's more low maintenance than the European tail vice. Just keep the mechanism clean and lubricated. It clamps boards without sagging. It doesn't create a no mallet zone. On the downside, it will obviously bow boards if you clamp them too tightly. During the last 15 years, I've made a variety of these vices from scratch and used the commercial versions. I think it gets an A for functionality. Installing them is about a C. Despite all my grumbling above, the wagon vice is my favourite end vice. Quick release vices at the end of the bench. By installing a quick release vice on the end of your bench top instead of on the front edge, you can transform it into an effective end vice. It seems like an ideal fix. The vise is easy to install, it doesn't sag if bolted in place with through bolts, nuts and washers, and it moves nimbly thanks to the quick release function. But it does have downsides. First, its standard dog is located in the middle of the vise's metal jaw, which could be 8 inches wide, or wider. 
that puts your line of bench dogs 4 inches away or more from the front edge of the bench top. You'll be happier if the dogs are closer to the front edge. About 2 inches is a good distance. This allows you to clamp pieces to the bench top and easily used fence planes. Hand planes with fences such as plows or moving philisters. When the work is hanging off the front edge of the bench top, the plane's fence won't encounter the bench top. To get the clamping near the front edge, I install a wooden chop that is attached to the movable jaw of the vise. I install a dog in the wooden chop near the front edge of the bench top. That allows me to clamp the work close to its front edge. The wooden jaw reduces the amount you can open the vise jaws, but on the plus side, you now have a wooden jaw in the vise that won't bar any work that you clamp there. Putting a quick release vise on the end of the bench top is my second favourite end vise. It gets a B for functionality and a B for ease of installation. Surface vices. Another end vise is a surface vise. This retrofits to any workbench or even just a 2x12. First drill a series of holes for dogs, put a dog in one hole, put the surface vise in another hole. The surface vise has a movable pressure plate that allows you to cramp your work like a tail vise. The upside, it's easy to install. The downside, it's unsuited for planing thin pieces of stock. The jaw of the surface vise sticks up above the bench top and cannot be moved down like a dog. So if the jaw is 5 eighths of an inch thick, then you can't easily plane anything 5 eighths of an inch thick or thinner. Yes, there are clever workarounds. Yes, they are fiddly. If you only plane up thick stock, 3 quarter inch thick or thicker, then a vise such as this is fine. Otherwise, it's quite limiting. Square versus round versus wood versus metal. If you do decide to install an end vise, you have to choose between round dogs versus square dogs, and whether they should be metal or wood. Round dogs are easy to install. Just drill a hole. But they rotate easily, which can be wildly convenient or inconvenient, depending on the task at hand. Square dogs require square and step mortise in the bench top, which is pretty easy to install while building the bench, but is pretty much a pain in the butt to install after the bench is complete. So make up your mind before you start building the bench. Many metal dogs hold better because they have serrated clamping faces, but these faces also tend to mar the work. Marring the work is not always a big deal. In fact, some people consider it a mark of hand craftsmanship. On the downside, metal dogs will wreck your hand plane if the two should collide. Wooden dogs don't hold as well, but the plane wins when a wooden dog and a hand plane try to occupy the same airspace. There is no clear choice when it comes to the shape of your dogs and materials they are made from. Pick a style and learn to work with it. All four types work and exist in the historical record. So someone out there has made the same mistake or brilliant decision as you. Sleep easy. Planing stops. I think every bench should have a planing stop. There is no downside to having one. They are easy to install. They don't cost a lot of money, if any. They can change your woodworking. Historically, a planing stop is a stick of wood that's 3 inches by 3 inches by 12 inches. It is friction fit into a mortise in the bench top about 3 inches from the front edge of the bench, near where the face vise is located. Just make sure the mortise doesn't interfere with the structure below the bench top, 
or force you to reach awkwardly over the face vice while planing. You adjust the planing stop up and down with mallet strikes. The stop has metal teeth, or it can have a V-shaped block of wood I call a palm. These teeth can come from a manufactured planing stop that is installed in the end of the wood, or the teeth can be the points of nails driven through the wooden stop. Either way, metal teeth will mar the work, which can be a plus or a minus depending on your perspective on historical tool marks. The advantage of the metal teeth is that it prevents boards from rocking or shifting on the bench. If you have a board with twist, knock one end into the teeth hard and it won't move as you plane out the twist. The teeth also assist you when you are planing boards on edge on the bench top. Sometimes the planing stop will be 6 inches above the workbench and the metal tooth will prevent the board from tipping over as you work with it. When planing pieces that are thin or long, knock them into the teeth to keep them from skittering around. If you have a thin board that is bowed, place the concave face up and drive one end into the stop's teeth. Then let gravity and the weight of the tool hold things as you plane the board. Note, this cleans up the board, but won't flatten it. When you use it, you first decide if you are going to mallet the work into the teeth from behind the board to get some extra grip. If the board is flat and well behaved, press it against the teeth of the planing stop and go to work. The teeth will mark the work a little. If the board is wonky, use a mallet to drive the board into the teeth. Then your work will stay fairly fixed. The planing stop also serves as the foundation for other accessories. Place a 6 inch wide and thin piece of stock across the bench top and against the stop. Secure the far end with the holdfast. Now you have a wide planing stop for working on panels. The stop also serves as a stop for a sticking board for making mouldings. And it's also a stop when planing up anything in a cradle. I have cradles for making octagonal and hexagonal legs. The planing stop restrains the cradle and the work. For traversing, make an accessory called a doe's foot. The doe's foot is a piece of stock, typically half inch thick or a little thinner, it may be 6 inches wide and 24 inches long. It has a 90 degree bird's mouth cut into one end. All of these dimensions are adjustable based on your work. Here's how you use it. Place your work firm against the planing stop. Put the notch of the doe's foot around the far corner of the other end of the board. Secure the doe's foot with a holdfast. Or a clamp. That's it. The doe's foot prevents the work from rotating when you plane across the grain diagonally or with the grain. What are the downsides to the planing stop? Many woodworkers have expressed fear that they will cut their hand on the teeth. I'm sure it has happened, but I haven't had it happen to a student or to me. If you are freaked out about having a sharp piece of metal on your bench top, perhaps you should give your chisels away to charity. Same thing. If you have concerns, here are a couple of remedies. Cut a shallow recess in the bench top to keep the teeth below the bench top when the stop isn't in use. Second remedy, dull the teeth a bit with a file until you get used to its presence. The stop won't be as effective, but it will still work. Installing a planning stop involves cutting a deep mortise through the bench top, or building it into the laminations when you glue up the bench top. Then you fit the stop to the mortise. Use the driest stock possible for the stop. During the first year, the bench top might shrink or swell. You might have to plane the long edges of the stop to get it to move easily again. You might have to shim the interior of the mortise a tad 
if the stop moves too easily, or you might have to make a new wooden stop. None of these problems are real problems. Once the bench settles down, the stop will as well. One last word on planning stops. If you aren't sure if you want one, make a planning stop that you can clamp in your face vise. It's simply a thick chunk of wood screwed to a thinner board in an L shape. Clamp the thick bit in the vise, the thinner board lies across the bench top. And now you have a planning stop, and it's adjustable up and down too. Other stops. When you're backed into a corner, sometimes you need to screw or nail a stop to your bench top or the front edge of the bench. This isn't my first choice, but I seem to do it a couple of times a year for expediency. Some woodworkers make their benches with a split top. I've worked on many of these benches. I've not built one. The integrated tool holder wide planing stop is nice for traversing, as long as you aren't trying to plane up a wide case side. The stop is in the middle of the bench, and case sides can be 18 inches to 20 inches wide. My only other criticisms of split top bench tops are they add a little complexity during construction or require some additional parts depending on the style of bench you are building. The two tops can move or warp differently. I worked on one that had this problem and I simply had to do all my work on the front slab. Occasionally your small tools, screws and bits of hardware will roll into the split. It's the split top law. The last stop system I'll mention is one that shows up in early benches, especially in Germany. They feature an array of pegs on the bench top that you can knock up and down. Some can act as planing stops, some can act as side stops. Some can be used for traversing the work. We have the system on a bench in our shop, and it works well. Holdfasts I thought about devoting an entire chapter to holdfasts, they are that important to my work. Then I realized that holdfasts work so simply that it should be the shortest chapter in the book. Holdfasts themselves are a simple friction clamp. Strike the shaft from above and it cinches down. Strike the shaft from behind and it releases. You can use holdfasts directly on the work with the pad to protect the work, or you can restrain strops or accessories such as a doe's foot or batten. The biggest question with holdfasts is where to put the holes. I don't think the best answer is, anywhere you like. I have spent a lot of time and energy figuring out an array of holes that work without making your bench a holy mess. The diagram shows where I prefer my holdfast holes. There is one hole near the single point planing stop for restraining a wide planing stop. The rest of the holes are in three rows that allow you to restrain a doe's foot or accessories such as a moxon vise. The holes in the diagram are spaced for a holdfast with a typical reach of 7 inches. The ray shown gives you almost complete coverage of the bench top without a lot of unnecessary boring. So begin with this array before you start putting holes willy-nilly through the bench top. Keep it simple. Because I used to have a public email address and phone number, and because I wrote a book titled Workbenches, I heard a lot of questions from would-be workbench builders. Also, workbench theorists, and workbench crackpots. For every simple work-holding method, there are 10 more that involve compressors, a venturi chamber, a series of rubber bladders, and conveyor belts. Plus, I fought this fight during every class I taught. 
I preach simple benches. Or to be more precise, you should start simple and go from there. But there's always a few students who didn't want a simple bench. They wanted a ridiculous bench with two face vices, a tail vice and a wagon vice. Oh, and all the vices were different brands. They wanted four rows of dog holes. Why? I saw it once. It looked useful. It's not, I say. Okay. I think it will help the benchtop respond to changes in relative humidity. It won't, I say. Okay, I just want it. At first these debates discouraged me. Then a switch flipped in my head, and I simply wallowed into wondering who would have the most ridiculous request during a class. You want to have both round and square dog holes leapfrogging each other? Okay, you win. During one of these many workbench classes, I remember tinkering with the router jig for the bench bolts we were using, when my phone rang. About 30 seconds later, another switch flipped in my head, and I decided to quit corporate America.